This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Comedians trying to navigate a world where comedy itself is judged through a partisan lens have had, well, mixed results. Comedian Lou Perez writes about comedy, politics, and what used to be funny in his new book, That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore, on the death and rebirth of comedy. We spoke last week. In about the past six years or so, um, I feel like comedy has taken a beating. I have uh, many thoughts about why comedy, in a broad sense, just ceased to be particularly good for a while. I feel like it's coming back. Um, do you agree with that? Do you have that sense? I mean, I definitely feel that comedy is is coming back if it if it hasn't gone anywhere uh, for the past six years. Because, you know, as a comedian, I'm sort of um, in the thick of it. So I spent a lot of time uh, creating comedy uh, instead of, you know, just being a consumer of it. So I think uh, I think if if you're a consumer of comedy and you and you were looking at you know the places you're supposed to look for comedy like late night shows Comedy Central uh, Hollywood you know that sort of thing it, you might you know turn around one day and say what what's going on what happened here but I think that a lot of the the more interesting stuff is definitely happening online and that's kind of where I you know, cut my teeth, uh, in comedy and, in uh, you know, video production and, and that sort of thing. And I think ultimately, I mean, it seems like that's, what's, that's, what's going to save us is, uh, more, uh, independent, uh, creators out there who thankfully have the, uh, the technology and the means now where, you know, you're able to grow an audience that's able to, uh, fund your projects. And, you know, you turn around, you're like, oh, wow, look, I'm a, you know, I'm a, a working comedian now, but I'm not on any shows. I'm not, you know, I'm not in any movies, but somehow I'm still able to do this stuff. So for my book, uh, that joke isn't funny anymore on the death and rebirth of comedy. It's definitely a, uh, you know, a positive look to the future and a positive look uh, to where, where we are now, too. What happened? I mean, between... You know, so many people attribute this to uh, Donald Trump making comedy not funny, and people uh, have many thoughts about why that is. Uh, what do you think? Well, I noticed something in in 2016 when Donald Trump won the presidency for the first time. I'm just kidding. I uh, <laughs> it, when he when he when he won, uh, I I noticed uh, a number of you know sort of those those interesting think pieces going around that were asking the questions, you know, uh, what is the role of comedy now under a president Trump? And when I read that, you know, I automatically thought, well, shouldn't it be the same role it was under president Obama, under Bush, under Clinton, you know, why is it, uh, you know, why is it implied that there has to be a change here? And, um, and I think what, you know, what sort of became, became clear is, is, uh, when Donald Trump was viewed as the, as an existential threat, you know, you had to unload everything you could on him, you know, no matter what, um, no matter what, uh, weaponry you had. And if you were a comedian 
and your weaponry was, you know, punchlines. Well, man, you had to aim for that that big orange man, that big orange boogeyman. Something I note about uh, the kind of work you do, and we're going to kill all of your jokes <laughs> right now because that's the surest way to uh, kill a joke is to explain it. But you take a lot of uh, what I see as the logic of people who seriously think certain things that are weird or uh, you know, difficult for most people to to handle or deal with or would just reject outright. Uh, and you extend that logic to make them the bad guy. That is, uh, if, if people are so inclusive that uh, you, you, you go a couple of steps further and say, no, no, you're not inclusive, actually, because you've rejected this other group by uh, being so yeah. accepting. Well, I, I happen to find, I think people are infinitely interesting and people are always going to be more interesting than any policy that you might have a problem with, you know? So uh, the way that I look at it is, you know, what might be, uh, you know, the idea of taxation, you know, that, that that's something to debate, to talk about. But what's even more interesting is how people respond to taxation or their thoughts on taxation or what should be taxed and what should not should not be taxed. And I think that's where you're able to take what might be a boring subject and just make it interesting because the characters commenting on it are, are interesting. And, um, and yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, you know, it's a very human, uh, human thing, <laughs> human thing to, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, hypocrisies that, that we all might, that we all might have. And I think, especially when the, when people are so, uh, rooted in their politics and that their identity is so wrapped up in, you know, who they vote for and, you know, what, you know, what their thumbnail, uh, emoji is, um, then it's even more fun to say like, okay, well, what is a day like with this person? How do they navigate the world? If so much of what, of what makes them, them, uh, all their atoms are sort of, you know, swept up in this, uh, you know, this put, uh, this political element. Uh, and yeah, I, I, that's where I find I have the most fun. I have heard, and I forget where I heard this from. It might've been Groucho Marx. It might've been, um, Don Rickles, maybe, uh, who, who said, you know, you got to punch up. Punching down is, it's, it's not, you may make some people laugh, uh, but punching up is, is vastly preferable. And at least on the cultural left, uh, you know, in, in many ways, they're the establishment. And so punching up to the establishment and sort of the either hypocrisies or the uh, Ill, Ill ease that they have with even using certain words that uh, a very short time ago were ter perfectly normal and acceptable, uh, it, it's got to provide a... a great field for being a comedian. Well, I, I have to say that I do have a, I do take issue with the whole, um, was it, what would you call it? A rubric of punching up versus punching down to begin with, because, um, I think that it, it's, it's, it's quite telling, uh, how people, you know, navigate that, you know, the idea that, um, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, but, um, since I am above you in this hierarchy, I'm not allowed to make fun of you. 
it's 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 pretty it's it's pretty uh you know condescending you know right off uh, right off the bat it's like i'm sorry you're beneath me uh, th- i've been trying to avoid making fun of you during this entire interaction <laughs> so uh i hope you understand that i do oh, man, accept the, the, the smug your um, smug is coming through the my headphones uh, it it is it real <laughs> my apologies um but so but, but, yeah but you, you but you know uh you know, these dynamics, they change, uh, you know, these power dynamics change, you know, uh, relationship to, to relationship. And the idea that, you know, you can't, uh, you know, punch down and, and be funny or humorous, I, I think is, is, uh, is kind of silly. Um, I, I, an example that I have is I used to live in Brooklyn and there was a guy, a homeless man who lived outside of a church and, you know, homeless guy, obviously it's a situation you don't want to be in. Um, but the guy was also an a-hole. Um, the guy, no matter what, no matter who you were, what you were wearing, if you ever walked by the guy, he always had something to say, you know? And it's like, here you are, here I am, you know, being dressed down by a homeless guy, you know, it's like, uh, it's a, it's a little, uh, it's a little silly. So it's like, wait, now is he below me because he's homeless, but he's also above me because he's a much a larger guy because his ego is so big. He has a huge ego. He's like a homeless narcissist, which is amazing just to think about that. And it's like, well, how do I, you know, how do I navigate that? How do I, how do I make that funny? Um, And uh, yeah, and, and I, and I, I do feel like the, the, you know, the same people who, you know, they want to, you know, be aligned with the whole punching up thing. I think like you, you know, like you said before, it's like, well, if you are the people in power, if you do hold, uh, you know, power in entertainment, in uh, politics, in academia, well, then you're a target and you should be taking it. Um, and rather than playing the victim anytime, uh, somebody, you know, casts aspersions. Well, and that's, it's interesting, uh, because when you're trying to define what punching up is, there are whole groups of people who are ready to assign uh, either victimhood or, uh, you know, assign some sort of societal scorn to some group of people that they want to overcome to put themselves on top so that they can be more accepting, more tolerant, uh, better people than you well, or well, I. I think I think also what happens is you you find people who look for justifications to be awful to other human beings right so it's sort of like if you're walking around you're this person and you have all this uh i don't know animosity and you're like man i really need a target but you turn around and you're like oh here's a disabled person ah i can't i can't take it out on them and then it's like oh well here's a you know, here's a, uh, a trans person. Ah, I can't do that. Or here's a, you know, here's a black person. Ah, oh, but they're a black conservative. Okay. Now I get to take out a little bit of my animosity on this black conservative. So it's funny when you see break, you know, the, when you see those things, you know, you try to do the, uh, I don't know, you try to do the math and see what the formula is that, you know, you have someone like Larry Elder, uh, who was the, uh, you know, at some point, uh, the white face of white, uh, the black face of white supremacy, excuse me. Um, and you're like, man, that's, uh, that's a lot of gymnastics just to say, just to say you can't stand the guy and wanting to find a reason to uh, to call him out on the stuff you disagree with. What what have been some of your more uh, difficult moments doing uh, comedy, especially when you're uh, dealing with uh, is- issues and areas of discussion that people find so difficult 
to talk about. I mean, comedy is supposed to be able to talk about things that maybe in, in polite conversation we try to avoid uh, because we don't want to offend the people around yeah, us. Yeah, I think I, I've been fortunate that um, that a lot of the stuff that I've put out has gotten um, good feedback. And, and I don't necessarily mean like good feedback and that like, oh, everyone thought it was funny. I think good feedback also that it's spurred conversation uh, as well. Um, but I think what's happened that uh, a number of times that really annoyed me was that the conversation that it spurred drifted so far away from the fact that it was comedy that started it that you start talking about all these other subjects and then you have to remind yourself wait a minute i just made a it was a this all came about from like a three-minute sketch you know um and uh one of the things that 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 i found that would happen quite often in um in like these kinds of conversations is that uh if you were making some fun of somebody like a um you know a beloved figure um then the only reason why you were doing it is it was out of hatred you know like the, the the idea that you could only be making fun of this person because you hate them or you want to you know see people suffer as opposed to no this person made themselves a perfect target for mockery and i took the opportunity to mock this person um and and i'll do it again i think more than once you use the word scolds in this book to refer to groups of people. And uh, scolds is such a great word because when I was a young person thinking about what a scold was, my uh, vision of it was somebody dressed very traditionally, maybe like a, a desperately unhappy uh, middle-aged woman who, in a, in a sense, felt that the, the culture was getting away from her and the world that she remembered was no more. Uh, and now when I think about scolds, I think of, well, very similar people, but ideologically, I imagine them to be very different. Yeah, yeah. When you're describing that lady, like my my heart sank and I really wanted to help her. I really wanted to play the perfect Hallmark movie for her that would, you know, get her out of her uh, her malaise. Um yeah, with 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 scolds, it's um, it is a great word. Scold. It's it all. Yeah, it almost sounds like uh, someone tossed like a hot, you know pot of boiling water at you. Uh, scald and scold. <laughs> yes, not to be confused yeah, yeah, with scald. Yeah, I have a whole chapter on just scalding <laughs> water. Um, but I think there, there there is a uh, you know there seems to be a tendency. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's necessarily new, but of wanting to be morally superior to others and wanting to you know wanting to to bring that about in any way that you can and you know the easiest way to do that is just to yell at people who are doing something that you don't think is right and the your, the mere act of yelling at that person you know puts you you know above them you know and Oh, and it's so oh, satisfying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, some, you know, sometimes, you know, like the universe, like everything aligns and you do that and it's like, it's totally warranted. And then other times it's not uh, at all. So like I, I've, I, in the book, I talk about, um, uh, becoming a father during the uh, pandemic. So I was, not only was I making comedy, but I was also making a baby and, um, uh, you know, at the, at probably the scariest time, you know, in, uh, in my life and, you know, for a lot of people, you know, in their lives, 
and you know trying to trying to figure out you know not only you know hey what are, you know what are we going to do tomorrow but also like are we going to live tomorrow like are we going to be alive like what you know what what is what is going on here and uh i was in uh, brooklyn heights and it was such a miserable experience to even try to walk around the neighborhood uh because you would have you know these scolds who would find any opportunity to yell at you uh you know perhaps you you walked past past them too closely that's a reason to yell at you maybe you're walking on the on the street by yourself without a mask on not near anybody and that's worth you know pulling over your, their bicycle and saying put your mask on don't you don't you care about people you know and um so i had to deal with a lot of that uh, and it just, it seemed to be like, oh, well, that's the, you know, th that's the age that we're living in. You know, it's sort of like, on, like the same online, uh, you know, bitching is, uh, making its way into the streets. But it, it seems like, and you do this pretty well, which is sort of lay out, uh, you help people find ways to laugh at people who place themselves in a position of moral superiority. And that is that's comedy at its best, which is laughing at the people who cannot laugh at themselves. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate that. I, you know, it's it's I've noticed that um, there are so many people uh, who have reached out to me and said, Lou, I really, I really enjoy your stuff, but I can't share it. Um, because I don't know what repercussions there'll be like at work with, you know, friends, I'm going to see, you know, family over the weekend. I, you know, we don't, I don't, I, I don't want there to be trouble, but thank you for, you know, sticking up and, and doing this. And, you know, part of me is like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm a hero. And then another part of me is like, come on, man, just, just share my stuff. Like, uh, it's not, it's not that big of a deal, uh, to do that, but you know, we, I think we, we live in a time where there are so many, uh, there are so many people who are used to just being those types of annoying scolds, um, you know, constantly, uh, pontificating and virtue signaling and nobody tells them to shut up or, or, or just calls them out and say, well, well you know, you're full of, you're full of BS. Um, so, uh, I would like to see a lot more of that. Uh, for sure, not just in in comedy, but just also in in everyday life, where it's like, look, there's there's no reason uh, to allow bullies to get away with uh, uh, with these shenanigans. That's 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 how I'm going to say that word, shenanigans. Highfalutin shenanigans. To be clear, that's a tongue twister. Highfalutin shenanigans. Well, what's been on your mind? With well, is there anything that you've been watching that you think is really funny? Uh, so I have on Twitter and elsewhere, I will defend recent sketches and episodes of Saturday Night Live. Wow. And I get so much pushback from people. And I say, no, when they when they have done political comedy recently, it's been better than it was during the Trump presidency. Uh, the, the new guy who does Trump is the best. I mean, 
quite possibly the best I've ever heard or seen because he does not just the things that Trump says and he does not just the various vocal intonations that Trump has. He actually follows the way Donald Trump delivers speeches and the sort of stream of consciousness uh, moving from this place to that place very quickly. And I, I feel like it is high art the way uh, this guy does Trump. Yeah, I think, I think SNL is, is an interesting animal because uh, it's been bad for so long. And people have been saying that forever that it's been bad for so long. I mean, for, you know, 20 years, they've been, uh, they've been saying it, but it still persists. But I think, well, I think during the, uh, the Trump years, I think it, it created quite a few, uh, enemies. You know, I think there are a lot of people who really turned against SNL and aren't willing to accept that they've done something good, that, that they've done, you know, that, that they've hit a sketch out of the park, you know? And, uh, and um, right, and I think that that I don't know I don't know if that's sort of uh, another kind of like sign of our times where it's like you know it's really tough to win the trust back of people um, who've you know who've gone you know who've gone the other way, um, and I think we we're seeing that in you know all of our different institutions you know higher education politics uh, every uh, you know everything people are just a, a lot more. Uh, a lot more skeptical about it and, uh, you know, not willing to, I think, you know, put down their, um, put down the, their, um, defenses, uh, long enough to per perhaps enjoy even something like a, a comedy sketch. Well, I've, I've noticed, you know, uh, like Stephen Colbert, uh, and other late night hosts became vastly more political and, you know, in a sense, less funny because they were trying to be serious. They were trying to make serious points and things like that. But I also understand these are hosts who have to entertain audiences or at least appease audiences that are almost exclusively in New York and Los Angeles. And yet these shows are broadcast nationally. And uh, it seems like a really difficult spot to be that where you would love to be super political and just give your uh, rant about the things you like and don't like. But if it's not funny, it's not funny, uh, even if the crowd is cheering uh, rather than laughing. Yeah. And I think the political side of it, too, it, you put yourself in a tough spot because, you know, like I said earlier, it's so uh, it's hypocrisy is just, you know. Um, an endless wellspring of, of comedic material. So when you have uh, late night hosts who every night are going out there and, um, you know, targeting, say, Trump or targeting the Republicans, um, it makes it really easy for people to point out and say, well, wait a minute, you didn't, well, why aren't you calling out so-and-so who just did something just like that? Well, wait a second. Then you become, you know, the, you know, the, the hypocritical clown, if you, you know, there, there, there's something, there's something to that. And, you know, I, I, Hey, look, I don't know what I would do if I, if I was hosting, if I had Colbert's spot, you know, maybe I would, um, have, you know, dancing vaccines and, and that sort of thing. Who knows? Um, who knows what I would tell myself or what, or what medication I would be taking every day to allow myself to do that. I'm willing to try. <laughs> so, 
do you feel like you take on the left and right uh, in equal measure? Because, uh, you know, we've been talking about uh, comedy having difficulty dealing with Donald Trump and having difficulty being funny in the face of this, you know, bombastic, often sort of uh, laughable character uh, who was president of the United States for four years. And um, and that's not to say that the right broadly doesn't deserve heaps of scorn on a regular basis for a wide variety of things. Yeah, I definitely find myself uh, taking on targets that are more on the left, for sure. Um, and I think, you know, one reason for that is uh, when you have, you know, a great percentage of comedians who who are on the left or left of center and they're going after the right. Um, when you're taking on the same subjects, you want to make sure that whatever take you have is going to be original. And it's a little, you know, it could be tough to uh, take on those same subjects without coming off as as a hack, you know. So the times when I when I was able to make uh, jokes about uh, about Trump, I enjoyed it because it was like, cool, I have a here's a an, a different angle that I think other people aren't aren't pointing out. Um, but, but yeah, it's sort of like what I've, um, you know, what I've found is like at that time, you know, when we were dealing with a, you know, an existential crisis that was Donald Trump, when you had all the focus on that person, it freed up all this other material for, for me and other comedians, uh, like me to take on. And that was great because it was like, uh, I'm happy that SNL isn't making fun of Antifa. Thank God they're not making fun of Antifa because I get to make fun of them. Awesome. I'll take that anytime. Comedian Lou Perez is author of the new book, That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore, on the death and rebirth of comedy. We spoke last week. Please give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 